The Las Vegas Aces are your 2022 WNBA champions. Jackie Powell and I are here to talk about it. Live inside the country room at Mohegan Sun Arena. Lockdown Women's Basketball starts now. You are Locked On Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Well, hi there. I'm Howard Megdahl, founder and editor of The Next. And this is Jackie Powell, who does incredible work covering the Liberty at The Next, social media for us at The Next, and wonderful work over at Bleacher Report covering the league nationally. And we are here at Mohegan Sun Arena uh, in a very special room, the country room, as a matter of fact, as you can see behind us, to talk about your 2022 WNBA champion Las Vegas Aces. We're going to talk to you about the Connecticut Sun, the run of success that they have had and what it all means going forward. And we're going to take you inside. We've literally been inside the locker rooms, talking to everyone. So here is your insider view on everything that just happened. And Jackie, I'm going to start you with a hard one. There's mm-hmm. a lot of images, a lot of sound. I know they're going around in my head too, mm-hmm. because we were at a really you know, seminal moment in league history, as far as I'm concerned. What do you think is going to be the first thing you think of when someone says to you, hey, 2022 clincher from this night, what's going to stick out to you then first and foremost? I can go first if you want, Will you have a moment to think about. Why don't you go first? For me, it will be the wet floor where I walked into the Las Vegas Aces locker room just years in the making. Now, for Asia Wilson, somebody who at just 26 years old has done so much, but is now finally, and some would say so soon, but still for her, it doesn't feel that way, a champion. And so seeing Kelsey Plum in that locker room. I remember Asia Wilson chasing and getting that championship in college. I remember Kelsey Plum almost single-handedly doing it, leading her team to the final four as a junior, but not getting that elusive champion championship. And being sad about when it happened in Chelsea Gray too, seeing these players who have chased this goal. And then of course, their coach, Becky Hammond, who chased this goal unsuccessfully, doing everything but as one of the all-time players in WNBA history, she is now a WNBA champion at, at last. So looking there, seeing that wet floor, understanding what that meant, seeing, hell, seeing Bill Lambeer, who, and we cannot forget the role that Bill Lambeer played in putting this team together and drafting so many of the players and coaching so many of the players who ultimately went on to be champions there. I thought it was entirely appropriate that Bill was here, that he was sidelined, that he was in that locker room. I got to witness a very special moment between Bill and Asia where Bill refilled the drink of Asia Wilson to congratulate her. And what did Bill say to you when you congratulated him as we were walking out of that locker room? Oh, that was brilliant. I think that's probably the moment that will stick with me. Mm -hmm. He said, what do you mean? I didn't do anything. It Mm -hmm. was them. It was them. And so a lot to get into. Let's talk about who the them are. Chelsea Gray, your 2022 WNBA Finals MVP. Now, Jackie and I were both privileged enough to be voters on this. 
and we struggled. I know I did. I know Jackie did. We went back and forth. Ultimately, Jackie, who did you choose as your WNBA finals MVP on that vote? I chose Asia Wilson because... Me too. And Chelsea Gray actually said something really interesting during the press conference that backs up my vote. Mm -hmm. She went on this long rant about how Asia is an elite two-way player in this league. Yes. And she even admitted and she said, listen, like, I'm really not that. You know, when I play hard on defense and then I have to go back and make a shot, mm -hmm. it's, it's very exhausting. Mm -hmm. and it's very hard to do. And so the fact that Asia had moments during this finals where she was acting like the most valuable player, not just on offense. She wasn't mm -hmm. just making shots. She was guarding the paint. She was guarding Jonquil Jones. She was making things really difficult for a Connecticut Sun team that lives in the paint. And the Aces don't have, I mean, I'd say in their starting five, they maybe have three very good defenders, mm -hmm. including Asia. So I'd say Jackie Young on the perimeter. And then Kia Stokes is a good back-to-the-basket defender. But there aren't many great defenders on that team. No, it is Asia Wilson's defense that sets the tone. And so I'm going to take you to a moment in the final minute of this game. And just if you didn't watch, you know, please reevaluate your life choices. 78-71, the Aces defeated the Sun um, an absolutely fantastic game from start to finish. Uh, defensive challenges at every turn, just um, absolutely players, 10 players at all times, just playing, as the way Kurt Miller said, like people who were not going to go home without a championship, even though by definition, somebody had to. McClendon Williams hits a shot, 52.3 seconds to go. It's 75-71, timeout call. Connecticut goes to regroup. They come out of that timeout. Kurt Miller is especially good at ATOs, especially good at ATOs. Inbounds comes. Asia Wilson knocks the ball away, steals the ball. Suddenly what was a four-point game, you can just, you know, the end of those games is math. Asia Wilson turns this into the math being impossible, impossible for most teams, particularly impossible for a team in Connecticut that does not excel at generating open three-point shots. Asia Wilson had what I said on Twitter was a dagger deflection. And what does that tell you about somebody who, again, came in averaging 23.3 points per game um, in this final, shooting 62% in this finals? But what was that critical play at that moment? It was a dagger deflection. Very good deal to me. I felt the same way about it. And that sort of, I think I tweeted, I said that was an MVP steal mm -hmm. or deflection right there yeah. and i mean chelsea gray has had an unbelievable postseason if you were to say the mvp of the postseason mm -hmm. then maybe you know you give it to chelsea gray because of her full body of work but i voted for asia wilson because of her effect how she was able to affect these finals in multiple ways besides shot making or rebounding on the glass so, I mean, both were incredibly deserving. No I doubt. just wonder how close that vote was. I'll bet it was very – well, listen, we know there were two for Asia at the very least, mm -hmm. and she didn't ultimately win. So it would be a fascinating thing. Uh, maybe we'll find that out uh, on background one of these days. But I do think it's interesting, just parenthetically about Chelsea Gray, she could have been here. 
She was a member of the Connecticut Sun. She was. The Connecticut Sun, I'm sure, do not regret the trade no. itself, because when you can add John Paul Jones, as they did uh, on draft night in 2017, trading Chelsea Gray for the number six pick, which was used on John Paul Jones, it is striking. Uh, it's, you can't, you can't do this, right? You can't go back and reconfigure the memories uh, they picked ultimately Morgan Tucker was an exceptional college player who would have had an even better pro career had injuries not taken their toll. And Rachel Bannum, who is continuing to be not just an important part of the Minnesota Lynx, but also now quality control coach for University of Minnesota. So it's coming full circle. But my goodness, there was a scenario where it's Chelsea Gray and John Paul Jones together on this team. Now, I couldn't help but think about that, just kind of a full circle moment for Chelsea Gray to win this one here. But let's talk about the moment we saw, which you were able to put to Twitter, mm -hmm. which was we were standing in this hallway trying to get back to the press room after we were in that wet locker room. Mm -hmm. And we were waiting to go, and, and Chelsea Gray and Asia Wilson were holding their bottles of champagne, and they were trying to get a bottle opener, and we were just stuck behind them. We see Jonquil Jones in her street clothes walking down the hall and she stops and she gives a hug and she congratulates both mm -hmm. Asia Wilson and Chelsea Gray. Yeah, I mean, it was a class moment from Jonquil Jones. It was not a surprise no. for anyone who's known Jonquil even a little bit. Basketball is brought to you by Rocket Money. We love sharing our message with podcasters. After all, we have some of the most engaged communities, right? And so Rocket Money gives you the opportunity to cancel unnecessary subscriptions with Rocket Money today. Go to rocketmoney.com slash locked on. It could save you hundreds per years that per year. That's rocketmoney.com slash locked on. Opportunity to make sure you are not unnecessarily billed. And so when you think in terms of John Paul Jones, and the moment she had with Asia Wilson, it's also worth noting what she was like out on the court and sharing that moment with fans. Jackie, take, take me through just what your impressions were from what you saw John Quell assuming that leadership in that moment. Oh, it was absolutely fascinating. So you see all of the players leave the court. They're obviously deflated mm -hmm. as, as you would be in a moment like this because the Sun really fought. They wanted that game as much as the Aces did. And they all leave, they go back to the locker room. And then moments later, you see John Quell appear on the court. Mm -hmm. She comes back. And so what she does, is she takes her hand out and she waves to the fans and, and she thanks them. Mm -hmm. She thanks them for their support all season long. And it's really interesting because this whole season I've been saying, whose team is this? Is this John Quell Jones's team? Is this Alyssa Thomas's team? Alyssa Thomas had another triple double. But I think that moment was quite symbolic of whose team this is. It's, it speaks volumes. I totally agree with you. And JJ did a lot of things in this game that I felt helped reinforce that as well. There was a period late in the second quarter, and she got off to a slow start. She was 0 for 2, uh, had only played 8 of the first 15 minutes. But the second half of the second quarter, uh, it was keyed in a lot of ways by this moment, this block that she just – bodied Asia Wilson, but not in a way that caused a foul, 
blocked. Asia Wilson goes to the floor and JJ with a little bit of a stare down on the other side. And where's that coming from? Not from hostility. Again, we understand these are just hyper competitive individuals, but just seeing that moment of sheer force and it, and it clearly rallied her. It was not too much longer after that. JJ suddenly has 11 points and the Connecticut Sun found themselves in a bit of an offensive rhythm. So seeing her do that, there's been this question that keeps going back and forth. I've heard in a lot of circles in women's basketball. John Paul Jones was the MVP in 2021. Is she an MVP going forward? Was 2021 a harbinger of things to come? Or was 2021 the notable exception? It's hard not to think of what we saw tonight as an indication of what's bigger and potentially better ahead for John Paul Jones. I couldn't agree more. And um, it, I think the reason why mm -hmm. I, I had called it the John Paul Jones, uh, Alyssa Thomas power struggle. Mm -hmm. and, and I think the reason that was happening was because there was not a true point guard there to facilitate and to know when to get a touch to John Quell and when to get one to Alyssa Thomas. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely fascinating. And then there's a third part to that trio. There's Bree Jones. Mm -hmm. Bree Jones is somebody I've had the privilege of covering dating back to her days at University of Maryland. The way she has grown as a player, and I was very high on her coming out of school, but she's exceeded my expectations. I had a chance, a quiet moment to catch up with her one-on-one -on -one after this game was over. And welcome back. We were summarily ejected from the country room at Mohegan Sun Arena. Uh, so we're going to pick it up with Bree Jones. I just want to be clear. We were, we were authorized to be there. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Bree Jones, who had an incredibly important set of minutes. John Paul Jones gets her fourth foul late in the third quarter. Bree Jones comes in and had to assume the role that in many ways she had to assume in the 2020 season. You know, just for her to come in, to score the way she did, to be able to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Asia Wilson, uh, who is all the things we have talked about in the first part of this, uh, this podcast, was very striking to me. And I guess, you know, the biggest thing to me was how big was it that Kurt Miller decided down the stretch his five, his ride-or-die five, we're going to include Bree Jones. Wasn't that, was that as striking to you as it was to me, Jackie? Oh, absolutely. Because he finally put in his five best players. Mm -hmm. And this was something, this has been a season long narrative with the Connecticut Sun, mm -hmm. which was Bree Jones is one of, she could be one of the most dominant centers in this league. Mm -hmm. She is a player who is a two time all star and yeah. two times in a row uh, all star. And by the way, did it this year off the bench? Yes. Think, I mean, think about what that means for who she is as a player and a person. That Bree Jones was an all-star last year. And Bree Jones was then asked, we need you to come off the bench in order to assure us with the best chance of winning. And she does it without hesitation. She does it fully. And she is as good as she's ever been. But it's hard to imagine that Bree Jones is going to be a member of the Connecticut Sun next year, barring other changes, which is to say, Bree Jones is going to get paid this winter. Somebody, multiple somebodies, are prepared to give Bree Jones a max contract, and they are right to do so. Jackie, when you think about 
the fits for Bree Jones going forward? I mean, there are a number of teams, right, that are clear to you as opportunities for Bree Jones to come in and be a number one, number two option, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Any in particular? The Minnesota Lynx. Well, the Minnesota Lynx says, uh, shout out, I know that is the hobby horse of the great Isabel Rodriguez over at the next. Um, I think is one of them. But there are a lot. It's a fascinating moment in time. This offseason, the places that are going to be static are relatively small. But you know who it's going to be? Massive shout-out to Natalie Williams, the general manager of the Las Vegas Aces, because she has put this team together. And so if I can circle back to that moment, to that soaked room that we were in. My shoes are legally drunk now because of the Las Vegas Aces locker room. Kelsey Plum said, we can't predict what the future is going to bring, but bottom line, we have set things up to be together and do this for a long time. We view this as just the beginning. Just looking from here, Jackie, are there any moves that other teams could take that would keep the Las Vegas Aces from being at the very least co-favorites to go repeat something no one has done since the 2002 L.A. Sparks? Well... You could have the other player who was in the running for MVP mm-hmm. versus Asia Wilson. Brianna Stewart, sure. I've heard of her, yeah. You could have her move to a different team that has younger talent. You need, you need a lot of shooting and a point guard for that team, right? Like an established mm-hmm. top five in the league point guard. Yes. Yes, you would. So we're going to have a lot to talk about here at Lockdown Women's Basketball. Of course, we're going to be getting into the World Cup. Of course, we're going to be covering every moment of the women's college basketball season, EuroLeague as well. Make sure you're following everything we're doing at thenexthoops.com. But stay tuned because, my friends, we're going to have a lot to talk about with the WNBA offseason. Cannot wait to be doing all of that with you. Until next time, or unless I am arrested for being in a room at Mohegan Sun that some people don't think we should be in. I am Howard Megdahl. And I'm Jackie Powell. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful Monday, everybody. We'll be seeing you soon. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.